Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. I'm so thankful to be with you again. Thank you. If you're with us today for the first time, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for taking the time to come and uh, and connect to what the Lord's doing here. There's a lot of other places that, that you could be this morning, but you chose to come and fellowship with us and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that uh, as a result, you'll be ministered to profoundly. I believe, I don't believe in uh, those kinds of accidents. I believe God knows what he's doing and I believe in divine appointments. And so I'm glad you're here today. I'm going to continue in my series this morning. Is there anything else that I need to say before I get into my series? I think I'm good. Um, I'm going to continue with part three of a series that we've titled Carefree, uh, and it's it's a series that is about uh, mental health from God's perspective. You know, the discussion of mental health has been so prevalent, uh, and it has really taken a front seat in the, in the conversation uh, nationally and even internationally. Um, and so I believe that God has some things to say. I believe that the Bible has some, uh, some things to say to us about how we can live a life that is carefree, free of care. And so I want to continue uh, with that this morning. You can turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 15. Uh, let me, too, also say how absolutely wonderful it was to be on the worship team again this morning. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on the worship team, and... Uh, I, uh, I took up bass over COVID because uh, I, you know, because I needed another instrument to play. And um, <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. Um, and I was telling uh, Eric uh, earlier this week, we were at lunch, uh, Eric Woolridge, and we were talking and I said, man, I'm playing, I'm excited I'm playing bass this weekend at church. And he goes, are you going to rock the flock? And I said, yes. I said, yes, I am absolutely going to rock the flock. So. Thank you for that inspiration, my friend. John chapter 15, and you can also turn to Philippians chapter 4. These are our two main texts for, uh, for our series. And I, I, as you know, I like to read our main text at the beginning of each message. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus is speaking, and he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. How many of you know that when Jesus's joy remains in you, your joy becomes full? Amen. And then Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, very familiar scripture to many of you. It says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like to read them together. Just butt them both up to, to, to one another because I think those verses are profound. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I believe God's going to speak to us today. Are you ready to receive the word? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come before your word today. We believe and trust that you're speaking. Lord, that you haven't stopped speaking, but you're still continuing to speak. 
So, Father, today would you speak to our hearts? Would you comfort us where we need comfort? Would you strengthen us where we are weak? Would you encourage us where we need encouragement? Father, would you heal us where healing is needed? Would you strengthen our lives by your spirit today as we receive your word? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear today. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Before we continue, I want us to make our confession of faith. Uh, that we like to make. You'll see it on your screen, and if you're watching online, you'll see it on your screen as well. Let's go ahead and read this and declare it out loud together. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We're growing together in the things of God this morning. Um. You know, we've been in this series now for three weeks called Carefree, and each time, uh, each, each sermon, each part of this has kind of its own title and its own, you know, spin. Uh, the first time, the first was an introduction. Uh, the second, last week's message was called Know Your Enemy, and it was about exposing the tools and the tricks that the enemy uses in our lives, because I believe that if we understand what the devices of the enemy are, we'll see him coming a mile away, because the beautiful thing about the devil is he's not creative, and he doesn't have any new tricks. Uh, the same thing that, that, that the enemy tried in Adam and Eve in the garden is what he's going to try on you, okay? So if you can understand the tactics of the enemy, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll have a leg up on him. Um, we talked about last week exposing the schemes, and, and there was three of them that we listed, anxiety, depression, and despair. I referred to them as ADD, uh, not to make light of the real ADD. But um, the, these three schemes seem to be consistent with what the enemy often uses in our lives, anxiety, depression, and despair. We also discussed how each one of these is connected to a seed that the enemy sows in our lives, that when you're dealing with anxiety, that that anxiety started in your life somewhere in your past as a seed. Okay, when you're dealing with depression, that didn't just, you know, you didn't just wake up one day and you were depressed. That started somewhere along the line as a seed that was sown in your mind. Uh, and one of the things that we need to keep in mind is this. Every instance, every single instance of anxiety, of depression, or of despair originates from the devil. Okay? I want you to understand that. The Bible's very clear on who's bad and who's good. Amen. What did Jesus say in John 10.10? 10? It's one of my favorite scriptures to quote. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the thief? The devil, right? Who's, who's not the thief? Jesus, right? I know this is like second grade level, but I just stick with me for a second. Who's not the thief? Jesus. Who's the bad guy? The devil, okay? So every time anxiety, a wave of anxiety or depression or despair or fear comes in your life, understand where it originates. Every instance of these originates with the devil, but is perpetuated by us through our choices, okay? Every instance of anxiety, depression, and despair originates from the devil, but it could be perpetuated by us through our choices. It starts as a seed from the enemy, but if it grows, that's a result of our choices. You see, you may 
not be able to stop the thought from coming. But everything that happens after the thought is within the power of your choice. Like one minister used to say, the birds can fly over my head, but they can't build a nest in my hair. Now I know for some of you that analogy doesn't work, but um, that's neither here nor there. The, the, the birds can fly over your head. The thoughts can swirl. You can be introduced with all, to all kinds of thoughts. How many of you have figured this out? You're introduced to all kinds of thoughts every day. It's totally up to you which ones you embrace and which ones you nurture. Just like when a seed goes into the ground, it needs to be embraced by the ground. It needs to be nurtured with water and sunlight in order for it to grow. The same is true in our thought life. And anxiety, man, I'm telling you, it comes as a seed called worry. Depression comes as a seed called criticism. Despair comes as a seed called unbelief. You can't stop the seed from being sown, but you can stop it from growing. Amen? Don't take it as a rebuke or as a discouragement. Be encouraged that you have the power to say no to thoughts that don't line up with the word of God. Amen? You believe that this morning? <clears throat> so if I had to group all of these seeds and put them into a single category, it would be what the Bible calls care or cares. We're, we're going to talk today, the title of today's sermon is Ditch Your Cares. Amen? Be carefree, man. You, you ever watch kids? They're just not worried. Right? I mean, they're just not worried. My kids, they're never worried. They break something. Oh, whoops. <laughs> you know? like It's, it's, it's going to be all right. Mom and dad will buy a new one. Oh, don't worry, those screens are easy to replace. <laughs> it's just a crack, right? Just fell down the stairs, no worries. They don't worry about anything. Well, you know, we, so, it, it, you could look at that and say, well, that's irrationally ir irresponsible, or it's dependent. You see, when you become dependent on God, your cares begin to subside because you realize he's got this. He's got this. Amen. Now, the scripture has some things to say about cares. There's a couple things I'm going to throw out at you quickly. You don't have to turn there. You can write them down and read these later. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking about the, the, the par what we call the parable of the sower. And he talks about the, the seed that's sown among thorns in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. It says, but the cares of this world, the cares of this world... And the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. The cares of this world. How many of you learned that the world has some cares? The world is caring, can I tell you this, about all the wrong stuff. Amen? When you think about what's really true, you think about what's really, what the Bible really teaches us and what we understand the character and, and nature of God is. When you think about life through the lens of God's kingdom, you start to realize pretty quickly that the world's just preoccupied with just all the wrong stuff, man. Just all the wrong stuff. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Listen to what he says in Luke 21, verse 34. It says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Boy, that's amazing. You know your heart can get weighed down? 
Yeah, that's, that's that depression we were talking about last week. It weighs you down. <clears throat> Take heed to yourselves, Jesus said, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing. I just thought that was a very funny word because it's just not a word we use anymore. Uh, I, get a, I just get a picture of a guy in a Western movie just, you know, carousing outside of the saloon. I don't know. We don't use that word anymore, but it's funny to me. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and, watch this, the cares of this life, that the day may come upon you unexpectedly. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus himself lumps the cares of this world next to drunkenness? Isn't that interesting? I mean, I think most Christians, if you were to poll them and be like, hey, is it okay for you to get smashed on the weekends? Most Christians would like, no, it's no, that's wrong, that's a sin. But if you were to ask that same group of people, is it okay for you to be burdened with fear and care? Most people would be like, well, yeah, that's just normal life. Right? It's interesting to me that Jesus lumps both of those together. Cares are a serious deal. And again, these cares, these are the seeds that I was talking about from last week. Worry, fear, criticism, unbelief, doubt, all that stuff. All the things that we tend to naturally care for are the things that Jesus wants to unload from us. Look at the, this is our main focus verse for today. 1 Peter chapter 5, you can put this one up. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And we'll start in verse 6. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Look at verse 7. Casting all of your care. How much of your care? All. All of your care. Casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting... All of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, it's time to ditch your cares. It's time to ditch your cares. I was, um, I was sitting at one point, I'll never forget this. I was sitting at, at the beach, and um, we, we were down there, it was... It was one of our annual trips. We go down after Easter every year to, to uh, the Carolina coast, my family and I. And I was sitting in the beach chair trying to read. And if you know anything about the beach in North Carolina, I grew up on the, on the Gulf of Mexico, which is very relaxed and calm. And the North Carolina coast is nothing like that. It's usually always windy, it seems. And I was sitting in my beach chair trying to read, and because I'm pale, I sit under an umbrella and because, because I don't want to be hurt. And, um, and so I'm sitting there, and, and the wind is blowing so hard, and the umbrella is doing this number because of the wind. It's like it had worn a groove into the sand. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and it's just going gangbusters. And I'm here, like, trying to read, and this thing is just... <laughs> And I'm like getting irritated. So I reached out and I just grabbed it to stop it. And I looked down. I'll never forget this. I looked down at my hand holding this umbrella and the wind's going. And I just felt so powerful for like half a second. 
I just looked down at my hand. I was like, Thurman, you're, you're strong. And, <laughs> and for some reason, that thought went away quickly. And then, and then the, the voice of the, the, the Lord spoke into my heart in that moment. And he brought up 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because I saw in an instant that umbrella being the, you know, the picture of my life when I'm not humbled under the mighty hand of God. That every wind blows me whatever direction the wind wants me to go. Paul speaks in the book of Ephesians about us no longer being children tossed about by every wind of doctrine. There, listen, this world is spitting out all kinds of ideas, and you're, you and I, we're constantly under the barrage and the assault of other thoughts and other ideas that are contrary to the Word of God. And if we are not careful, our lives begin to resemble the umbrella. But I saw it in an instant. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does it mean? to humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Does it mean God has a chokehold on you like I did on that umbrella? No. What does it mean to humble yourself under God's mighty hand? It's real simple. Stop trying to live by your hand. That's not quite as mighty. Let me say it again for the people in the balcony. How do I, how do I humble myself under God's mighty hand? It's easy. Stop trying to live by your hand. Stop measuring your life by what you can do, what you can accomplish, what you have done, what you intend to do. Stop measuring your days by your performance. Woo! Amen. Stop measuring your life by what you can accomplish. Your hand's not nearly as mighty as the hand of God. Amen. Your hand's not nearly as strong as the hand of God. The Bible talks all over. Oh man, Old Testament, New Testament, over and over again, it talks about the hand of God, the mighty hand of God, when the, when the hand of God would come on people, when the hand of God would come down on the nation of Israel, when the hand of God would come down on the enemies of the nation of Israel and scatter them and annihilate them. The hand of God is powerful. And if you and I learn to humble ourselves under his hand, then his hand will come under you and support you. I remember there was a situation in my life. At some point I'll get into it in greater detail. But today I'll give you the cliff notes. I had a super difficult conversation with, with a person. And it just about sapped me of all of my strength. And all of my energy. And it was, it was a terrible, terrible night for me. I had a very difficult conversation with a person. And when I got done with that conversation, my emotions just the bottom fell out of my emotions, and I was a wreck. And is it okay if I be transparent with you for just a few minutes? And I'll never forget, I came home, I walked into the house, my wife was there, it was late, the kids were in bed, and she looked at me, and as soon as I looked at her, I actually fell on the ground, and I started to sob. And it was like everything in me was just drained out, and I didn't have anything left. And we talked for a little bit, and then it was late, so we got in bed. And as we were laying in bed, I was talking to my wife, and the peace of the Lord came over me. 
And I said to her, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I said to her, I said, I don't even feel like I'm laying in bed right now. I feel like I'm laying in the hand of God holding me up. I, I, I felt as though when I had come to the end of the absolute end of my own strength, that the hand of God was holding me up. I was, I was being held up by grace itself. And I thought, oh my God, this is the way to live. Humble yourself under the hand of God and let the Lord steady your situation. Once God's hand is intervening in your life, it begins to steady you and it begins to support you. And then everything changes. Then everything changes. Look at what what Peter's next instruction is, okay? After he tells us to, to humble ourselves under God's hand, look what Peter instructs us to do next. Cast all your cares. Verse 7, cast all your cares. There's that word cares again. It's, it's back again. That, that idea of all the, all the things that the world is wanting you to be t- twisted up in knots about. Peter, Peter tells us what to do with that. Cast it on the Lord. Now this word in the Greek, let me do a little Greek study for you and, and quote my favorite Bible, Bible teacher, Pastor uh, Rick Renner. <clears throat> Uh, this word in the Greek is, is the word, it's the word epiripto, in case anybody cares about Greek words. But it, it's a compound of two different things. Epi means upon, and ripto actually means to hurl or to throw something. In fact, it means to violently throw or to fling something with great force. Listen to what Pastor Rick Renner says about this. The only other place this word epiripto is used in the New Testament. There's only two places, here in 1 Peter 5, and then Luke chapter 19, verse 35, where the Bible is describing Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem just days before he's about to be crucified. This is, this is the, uh, what, what, we, you know, what, what we celebrate leading into Easter that we call Palm Sunday. You remember Jesus came into Jerusalem and they got a donkey for him and he rode in on the donkey. Well, this word is used in that story in verse 35 of Luke 19 where the Bible says, And they brought the donkey to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the donkey and then they set Jesus on there. It's important to note this passage for it correctly conveys the idea of this Greek word, epiripto, which in secular literature often pictured the flinging of a garment, a bag, a garment bag, or excess weight off of the shoulders of a traveler and onto the back of some other beast, such as a donkey, camel, or a horse. That animal was referred to as a beast of burden. So there's only two times this word's used. And and in the secular Greek understanding of that time, it was used for only one purpose. Epiripto is what you did when you took what was on your shoulders and loaded it onto your beast of burden before you went on a journey. Now, please don't take this in the wrong way because I'm not being irreverent in any way when I say this, but Jesus wants to be your beast of burden. Jesus wants to be the one that you hurl your cares on. 
Amen. Let's, let's illustrate this, shall we? Abigail, you're up. <laughs> <clears throat> now, my daughter Abigail is going to pretend to be you, and I'm going to play the part of the devil at first, but then I'm going to switch and play the part of Jesus, okay? So, here you go. Look at this. Oh, perfect. Look at that. We got extra blocks. Okay. So here's Abigail. She's the average Christian. Okay. She's one of us. And she's just going through life, just doing life normally. And, and, and here I come, the enemy, and, and I'm going to just load her up with some cares. Okay. Every block represents a care. I feel like I'm on a game show. Okay. <clears throat> so here's, this is just a little bit of concern about what your friends think about you. And then here's some concern about, you know, this is, this is how, whether or not you like the way you look. We're going to put that in there, okay? And, and here's that concern about the conversation that somebody had about you uh, that you just caught wind of, and it's, it's a little frustrating, okay? And, and here's this concern and this care for whether your kids are going to turn out good, okay? You don't have kids yet, but you follow me. All right, this is, and here it is. This is like, oh, man, this is it here. This is a big one. This is concerns about your marriage. Okay. This is, this is concerns about whether or not there's going to be enough money in the bank for you. Okay. And this is, let, let's just figure out whether or not you're going to be able to keep your job or lose it. And you know, I mean, the country's going into recession. Oh, no. Okay. Let's see. This is, this is what, uh, you know. Pick a care, any care, okay? doesn't matter. It's getting loaded into this girl, and I'll tell you what, she's starting to get a little bit weighed down. Act, act, there. Yeah, there it is. I always choose the dramatic child for the illustrations. See, look at, look at the care. Oh, Jesus. Oh, if you only loved me, Lord. Yes. Well done. What is Peter? Okay, now I'm going to play the part of Jesus. I'm going to play the part of Jesus. I'm going to pick her up. What is Peter telling us that we're supposed to do with all of these cares? Her shoulders aren't big enough to carry all that care. What's he telling us to do? Cast all that onto me. Cast all that onto me. Yeah. This is going to be challenging. Should have got a bigger backpack. Cast all that onto, onto him. Why? Because look how much lighter she is now. All the stuff that was weighing her down, it's not weighing her down. And guess what? It's not weighing me down either. It's not going to weigh you. Listen, your cares are nothing for Jesus. He's the king of the universe. He spoke, he, he speaks and planets appear. Okay? You think your bank balance is intimidating to Jesus? Come on. Like we got, we've, got, we've got to get to this place where we actually put stuff into its proper perspective. Really, I mean, do you, do you think that the challenges at home are going to so disrupt the Lord of the universe that he's not going to be able to handle it? No, take that care and hurl it onto him. Because here's what happens. You, she takes the backpack and, and, and it's loaded with all the care and she hurls it onto me and I get to be the beast of burden. And then I get, you and I, as Christians, we get something in exchange for all of our burdens. We get something called the joy of the Lord. She traded, she traded all the weight and the heaviness of care in exchange 
for a garment. Listen to what Psalm 30 verse 11 said. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. My friends, it's time to ditch the cares. It's time to hurl that junk onto the shoulders of Jesus so that he can fit you with a garment of joy. You can be seated. Thank you. You are supposed to be clothed not in anxiety and depression. You are supposed to be clothed not in mourning and sackcloth and ashes. You have, listen, you have the king of kings living on the inside of you. If you're a Christian, you've got the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling on the inside of your heart and your life. You are to be clothed with joy, not clothed with depression, anxiety, and despair. Oh, can I have a better amen than that this morning? Act like you believe it. My gosh. (laughs) Hey, hey, listen. We're supposed to wear joy like clothing. I I read that, and and I read it like two or three times, and then it hit me. We're supposed to wear joy like clothing. I mean, it says, that he, it says that he would give us. Let me read Psalm 30 again to you. You've turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. The first couple times I read that, I thought, well, that's nice. And then it hit me. You're supposed to wear joy like clothing. What do I mean by that? You're supposed to have so much joy in your life that people see it on you. Catch that. You're supposed to wear joy like clothing. What do I mean? People are supposed to see joy on you. Do you ever get complimented because of something you were wearing that people like? Oh, that's a really nice shirt. Oh, where'd you get that? I want one of those. Those are really nice shoes. Where did you get those? I like those. Those are nice. People are supposed to look at your life and see the joy on you that you're clothed in, and go, oh, that's nice. That looks good on you. Where did you get that? Where'd you get that? I want some of that. That's really nice. Hey, you're looking trim. It's very slimming, that joy garment. People are, you're supposed to have so much joy in your life that people see it on your face. That people see it in your countenance. That when, that when people see you, they don't see this. That's why I'm always asking you while I'm preaching to you. I'm always asking you stuff like, y'all doing okay? Y'all getting this? You happy in here? Because some people just don't know what their face looks like. <laughs> It's so, it's so true. So this preacher used to say, Are you, is everybody happy in here? Yes. Notify your face that you're happy. Send a message upstairs that, oh, mm, smile. Okay, mm, yeah, yeah. Listen, we go, there's enough depression and anxiety to go around, okay? We need to have an abundance of joy. 
So much so that we're literally, like the Bible says, clothed in it to the degree that people see it on us. I remember the day my Aunt Karen got saved. She gave her life to the Lord, and she worked at a, at a company, a lawyer's office up in New York. So that, I mean, you know, if you're going to be depressed somewhere, be depressed at a lawyer's office in the state of New York. And so she, she got saved, gave her life to the Lord, and went into the office the next day, and everybody was like, what happened to you? Because she was radiant. I mean, when the, listen, when, when you give your life to Jesus, the glory of heaven takes residence in you. You better believe it's going to change you on the outside. Amen? The joy of the Lord is supposed to make us as believers the envy of the world around us. I want to close with a thought here. And maybe it sounds like a little odd to us. But I want to close with this idea and with this thought, man. When you're clothed with joy, the way the Bible just described to us, when you have ditched your cares, you become clothed with the, with the joy of the Lord, which, by the way, the Bible says is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says that the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And how many of you have figured this out? God wants you strong, not weak. Well, what about when Paul says, when I'm weak, he is strong? Yeah, don't miss the point of that whole verse. When you're weak, Jesus is strong, so you can be too. The goal is never to leave you in the condition he finds you in. Amen. He always wants to increase you and bless you and build you up and strengthen you. So this idea that we're clothed in joy and as a result, the joy of the Lord makes us as believers the envy of the world. Now, again, maybe that sounds a bit odd to us, but I want to I close by showing you a story from the Old Testament that demonstrates what I'm saying. Because we, we throw the word blessed around a lot. Oh, how you doing, brother? I'm blessed. We, we throw that word around so frequently that, that sometimes we forget the significance of words like that. Part of the word... Part of the definition of the Greek word blessed means to be envied. You go look it up. It's in, it's in the dictionary. <clears throat> part of the definition, not the whole definition, but part of the definition of the word blessed or blessing means to be envied. Now, I believe that this is, the, this is part of God's desire for us. And this is what I mean. That the world would see the joy of the Lord in our life and it would compel them to want to know more and want to know why. That the world would see the joy of the Lord in our lives and be compelled. Why is that? What, do, what is it that you have? I need that. I, I can, my mom is downstairs working in the, in the kids' ministry this morning, but... Someday I'll have her tell you her testimony of how she gave her life to Jesus because she attended a, a lifetime cookware party back in the 80s because that used to be a thing. <laughs> People had parties so they could sell you things like cookware and Tupperware and soap and other things that you could 
otherwise buy from the store very easily. But um, they would have parties so you could get it at a discount. And so my mom and her then boyfriend, Mr. Joe Zanoni, uh, went to... I just love his last name. Joe Zanoni and my mom went to this lifetime cookware party, and everybody at the party was a Christian except for the two of them. And here they are talking about pots and pans, and my mom, all she sees is Jesus on everybody. All she sees is the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, the contentment of a relationship with the Holy Spirit on each one of these people that she's with. And her heart was so stirred up that she went home, took out her Bible that was half in English and half in Italian, and sat down and said, God, if you're real, I want you to show me yourself in this book. She gave her life to the Lord with no prompting, no altar call, just because she saw the joy of the Lord on other people. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, at least part of what it means is that your life becomes envious or becomes enviable to the people that are around you to the degree that, that that they say, what is it that you have? I need that. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, and we're not supposed to envy people. That's, you know, you understand the difference that I'm trying to make here. The quality of our lives needs to be such at such a high standard that the world desires to know the Jesus that we profess. Too many people are around there are out there talking about how, how much they love Jesus, and then you look at their face and they look like they sleep inside of you know pickle juice all night, and they're just all brined and you know sunken and withdrawn. People ask them, do you know Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. You know, it's like, okay, settle down, man. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget as long as I live the, the, the lesson that I learned. I was probably 19 or 20 years old. I was working at this company in Florida, and, 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 and a guy named John McDonald that worked a few cubicles down from me was having a terrible headache, and, and, uh, and I said, hey, hey, John, can I pray for you? And he said, pray for me. I said, yeah. I said, at our church, we believe in praying for people. He goes, you go to church? I was like, okay. The gong rang, and I got booed off stage. And it was an incredible lesson to me that my life is telling a story Every day, all the time. And I want the story to be reflective of what Jesus has done in me. You ought to wear joy like a cape, (laughs) like a jacket. People need to see it on you. And then they envy you. Let Let me drive this home with a story from the book of Esther. Just a couple of verses. Esther chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. While you're turning to the book of Esther... Uh, it, by the way, it's where the pages in your Bible are stuck together in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and <clears throat> quick nutshell of a backstory here for you. If you don't know anything about, the, about Esther, Esther was a Jewish queen uh, who the nation of Israel was in captivity to the nation of Babylon. And so, uh, or excuse me, Persia. And, and during this time, uh, Israel was held captive in this nation. And the king of Persia 
was looking for a new bride because he had killed his old one. And so he, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a new wife. And so Esther, <clears throat> who was one of the Jews, got chosen to be his wife and became the queen over the nation. And during her time as queen, she uncovered, she, she heard about a plot against the Jewish people to try to destroy the Jewish people. And she took a big risk. And if you there's so much you could say, but if you remember her uncle Mordecai told her that famous verse that everybody quotes, you were born into the kingdom for such a time as this. She took a huge risk to tell the king about this plot against the Jews. And what ended up happening was that the people, the people that were that were going to try to hurt the nation of Israel, they got exposed. This guy named Haman, he got exposed. And Mordecai and Esther got promoted and everything became great. And the king gave this edict. He gave this, this proclamation that the Jewish nation was to be preserved. And, and here's, where, here's where the story picks up in Esther chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 15 through 17. It says, So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced. That's over there by... Uh, you know, uh, Fosco. The, the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. And watch this, verse 16. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. And in every province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, it's very important, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. And then many of the people of the land became Jews because the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Is that amazing? Do you see what I see? The, the, the decree of the king has gone out. And because of what the king has said, the Jews have joy, lightness, gladness, and honor. And every place that the decree of the king goes, in every city and every region of Persia, in every, in every neighborhood, wherever the king's proclamation is read, the Jews there have joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. It got so joyous that many people of the land became Jews. Isn't that incredible? The people had such confidence in the proclamation of the king that joy became their lifestyle and the world around it saw them and said, I must become a Jew because of what the king has said about them. My friends, what has the king said about you? What has the king declared about your life in these pages? What has God himself decreed over you? I'll bless you and not curse you. When your enemies come out against you one way, they'll flee before you seven ways. Let me tell you exactly. Oh, don't get me started, Frankie. Ay, ay, ay. Deuteronomy chapter 28. You know it's good when it's not in the notes, people. Let me tell you what Jesus, or excuse me, let me tell you what God has said about you. 
Maybe you'll put a joy code on when you hear this. Now it shall come to pass, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, in case you want to write this down and look at it later. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully to do his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Here it comes. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in And blessed shall you be when you go out. And the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses in all that you set your hand to. He will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people unto himself just as he swore to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Here it is. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. Don't tell me that anxiety is the way of the believer. Don't tell me that depression should be the normal for your life. Let the world have what the world wants. Give me Jesus. Give me peace. Let me have his blessing on my life. Come on, do you see this this morning? Do you see that you don't have to live under the care and the concern of this world? That you can take it when life gets really, really heavy, hurl it onto him. Hurl it onto him. He wants to be your beast of burden. When you do that, he puts on you a coat of joy, a garment. He clothes you in his joy. And the world will begin to see something different about that one. Something different about that guy. Something different about that lady. Something different about that child. This isn't just for adults, by the way. At the beginning of this uh, series, I read you some crazy statistics about the numbers in our, in our nation and in our state, especially uh, of child depression. Folks, it ought not be so. Not when there's believers who know what the truth of the word is. It ought not be so. Amen. Why don't you stand up to your feet? We've had a, just a wonderful time today at church. Have, have you had a good time? Amen. I have just been so blessed today. Listen, as we, as we close, I want each one of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't want anybody looking around or moving around. I want to um, give you an opportunity this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you if you're not saved, of course, I want to give you an opportunity to get saved uh, and to give your life to Jesus. But, but beyond that, if you're weighed down with care 
I want to pray for you this morning, and I, and I want to give you the opportunity to just do what 1 Peter 5 says and literally just cast your cares upon the Lord. And, and this, is something that, this is something that needs to become a habit in our lives. Because, you know, we say, well, I casted my cares on the Lord last Tuesday. Why am I full of care again? Well, because the, the world is relentless. And the devil's always going to try to continually put stuff on you that you need to continually get rid of. So make this a habit. And I'm going to pray over you. So if you're weighed down and just, again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, please respect the people around you for just a moment. Would you lift a hand to me so that I can see you? I'm not going to ask you to come forward today. I see those hands all over. I see those hands. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And, I'm, and what I'm going to do in this prayer is I'm just agreeing with your heart and agreeing with your faith. And I'm inviting you this morning by faith to cast your care upon the Lord. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.